1: Hello and welcome to the WTF1 podcast. I'm Katie and I'm joined by Tommy and today we're talking all things Drive to Survive. Now season four of the hit Netflix show dropped onto our screens last Friday and it has certainly generated a lot of opinions. Now it goes without saying, if you haven't seen Drive to Survive yet and you want no spoilers at all, make sure to pin or save this podcast and come back to it once you've watched the whole series. Uh, so Tommy, let's start by talking about Drive to Survive as a whole because it's something yep. that has brought so many new F1 fans into the championship and into the sport. Uh, what do you what do you think about Drive to Survive? Are you for it? Are you against it? Talk to me.
2: Uh, I personally think it's a good thing. Uh, I've got no problem with it. Uh, we'll go into what I thought of this season, but I thought it was good. Like, I think it's good for Formula One. There's so many more people that watch formula one because of it and that's a good thing despite many people on twitter trying to like you know gatekeep and say that you know you can't like formula one like at the end of the day if you like formula one you like formula one so
1: yeah regardless if you've discovered formula one because maybe it was on sky sports when you were out with mates at a pub or something at the weekend and you're like oh I quite like this comparing it to like drive to survive at least the drive to survive you get a bit more narrative to what's going on and it's a bit more of a, an easier journey into getting into F1. I've got friends that I said, you know, where I used to work before, they were like, what do you do at the weekends? And I said, like, oh, I watch Formula One and write about it and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, oh, I've always wanted to watch that. Or I used to watch it when I was younger. That's a really common one that I see. But then I sort of lost interest and I don't know how to pick it up again. Um, And yeah, I know so many people that have watched Drive to Survive now and are now like addicted to Formula One, watching it every weekend, going to races.
2: Yeah, it shows that they're like really good at capturing. I feel like it captured more that Formula One's always had that. uh, It's just cars going around in circles kind of thing, right? And Drive to Survive was a good way of showing to people that didn't know about the sport, even if, yes, it's slightly exaggerated uh, and very exaggerated in a lot of more recent series, but especially at the start, you know, it's showing that, you know what, actually, yes, Formula One is driving around in circles, but you've got all these characters, the drivers, the drama of like, you know, teams trying to penalize each other. And there's so much going on. And it's such a good introduction. Uh, for fans to basically that might may have never seen it before. Yeah. Like so, so many fans watched it and they're like, Oh, I might watch F1 this season after that, fir- that first season when it dropped on Netflix, so many people were like, okay, there's more to this than just
0: you know, Form- right, yeah. Formula
2: One like did have this, it's boring narrative. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. Um, and it just brought it to new people and, and a really good way of showing actually, you know what? It's a really enjoyable sport. And it's awesome. So watch
1: it. Um, Yeah, watch it and join in and talk about F1 with us. Um, Well, I've noticed over the last few years, so as we said, season four dropped last week. And for season one and season two, it was so hyped. Everyone loved it, whether you were a new F1 fan, whether you were an old F1 fan, if you've been watching it 20 years or, you know, two years, whatever it might be. However, I personally noted a change in um, how the show was perceived in slightly more negative light um, last year when season three, maybe it was just before season three dropped because quite a few fans were noticing a few little errors here and there, team radios being used in the incorrect places, um, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, it seems to have really, especially with season four now, it it seems I'm seeing more people have a negative opinion of it on my on my social media timeline. Maybe I'm just following the wrong people, and there are a huge amount of people that are very positive about it. But have you also noticed a lot of people change their opinions on the show?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I've not seen th- this is definitely the season that I've seen the most where not uh, a lot of people just I see on Twitter are like. Almost laughing at it uh, for some of the ridiculous <laughs> bits of it. Uh, I think season three was where it really changed for me, and and I really noticed how much more sort of fake team radio they were playing, and it almost got quite comical. Uh, and I feel like that's uh, we'll go into. What, what we thought was the best, but I personally didn't think that four was as bad as three with the factual inaccuracies. Maybe that's mm, controversial. I think they've
1: taken a note.
2: They've taken a note of the fact that, like, some of them were absolutely ridiculous of, like, you know, Ocon crossing the line celebrating for P9 when he's clearly uh, in Abu Dhabi when he's clearly in Bahrain celebrating his P2 and things like that where it's so obvious. I, I feel like there are... There, there's definitely a lot of misused team radio and stuff, but it's nowhere near as extreme, um, mm. And season three, I think, really sort of went down the comical route of mistakes, and and it just became a bit of a meme. And now, uh, DTS season four, a lot of people uh, just seem to be a bit miffed by. It. I mean, a lot of people will have watched it anyway. We did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I definitely don't think it was the worst season, but um, the perception's definitely gone down. And maybe it's just because it's not as exciting anymore, uh, and also. One thing I thought was strange this year and correct me, I, I honestly cannot remember if this has been the same for a year, so correct me if I'm wrong. But dropping drive to survive right in the middle of testing when there's actual Formula One on and we're so focused on like the excitement of 2022 to be like, here's a 2021 review. It, we we were we were fortunate that we got towards the first eight episodes early. But not going to lie, if if I hadn't have had that luxury, I don't think I'd have watched them all yet because I was so focused on testing and what's happening this season.
1: Yeah. So last year, pre-season testing was from the 12th to the 14th of March, and then Netflix dropped on the 19th of March. So yeah, we had. So it was actually later. Had- okay we had later but yeah it was a bit of an unusual like I could see loads of people on social media that had one laptop with drive to survive on one laptop with uh testing on and like trying to multitask which I mean is difficult enough to try and like keep your focus on one of them so fair play to you if you're one of those people um, but yeah everybody obviously wants to try and watch it as quick as possible one because it's an it's meant to be an enjoyable show you know it's re like rewinding key moments from an incredible 2021 f1 season Um, but also people are so quick to put those memes and those reaction pics and stuff on social media that if you don't watch it it feels like if you don't watch it within like the first 12 hours you're just gonna see spoiler after spoiler online so yeah um, i can see why everyone's keen to keen to watch it Uh, so storylines we wanted to see covered this year. We were talking about what an amazing 2021 F1 season it was, you know, whether we were doing editorial or social media or talking on the podcast, we said so many times, oh, Netflix, they're going to be like frothing at their mouth. This kind of action is going to be brilliant. Um, and from my personal opinion, I feel like the moments that were really magical, like the Monza victory for Daniel Ricciardo or Esteban Ocon in Hungary or there were so many incredible moments up and down Um, Baku the final two laps of Baku got no airtime at all apart from Hamilton and his um, break magic drama but um, yeah I just feel like the storylines that I wanted to see covered were covered but it kind of it didn't do it any justice like one of the amazing things about Formula One is it's so emotive and I know I'm I'm somebody that cries at literally everything so you know <laughs> maybe I'm not the best person to you know talk about how emotional things are because I will literally cry at the John Lewis advert every year for Christmas but I just like felt nothing really when when they showed yeah Ocon and Hungry And also, they cut out the whole Fernando Alonso battling Hamilton, which I was like, "That is criminal!" (laughs) Whoever was in charge of that decision, jail—just jail. (laughs) But um, yeah, were there any storylines that you wanted to see covered this year that maybe were missed out on me, or did you feel like they did justice to the the things they did cover?
2: So I have a bit of a different view to on this, and it's maybe a bit of a controversial opinion but I actually wrote an article on our, our website about it that I, th- I think sometimes uh, and I feel like they've maybe done it this season a little bit that last season there seemed to be this uh, huge thing of like oh my god I can't believe they didn't feature Lance Stroll's poll in Turkey or oh my god I can't believe they didn't show this and in my opinion if I want to watch the last two laps of Baku. I'll go on YouTube and watch the last two laps of Baku and I'll get the live commentary. You know, I won't get misplaced team radio. I won't get them trying to hype up that Yuki Tsunoda and on battling for 13th. That sort of thing. I can watch it on YouTube and see it for real. Um, and don't get me wrong, there needs to be... There needs, they, they should definitely cover the most exciting moments in the, in the series. But also at the same time, like for me, it's not a season review. So uh we'll kind of go into this of like favorite parts most disappointing but i actually found the parts where they weren't really focusing on the races so much more enjoyable and i guess that for me is because we all watched the season we all watched it many times especially <laughs> many many replays talking about i don't know the silverstone incident a thousand times during the year and for me like the excitement of 2022 season starting, I wanted to see something new rather than just like the same footage uh, of 2021. Like For me, it doesn't need to be like a a season review video. Um, So yeah, there were definitely moments missed, um, but personally I found that it wasn't, I wasn't too fussed about uh, say something like, uh, if, if they've got a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, for example, of Christian Horner and Toto Wolff, because the show's all about them for some reason, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, for, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of a race that they covered quite in-depth, uh, Monza or whatever. To, to cover the title battle, I don't mind that they maybe skip through and just show you a little bit of each race and go, look, it's chopped and changed. I don't need to see all of that. Like I watched it, I know what happened. Um so so for me, like storylines I wanted to see covered, I'm probably in the minority of like, I just want to see what's behind, behind the scenes. scenes. And, yeah. and I and I know, for example, like they showed uh, they really focused on they were filming Yuki Sonoda and Imbler, right? Mm. Uh I, I'd much rather have seen a whole episode about Yuki Sonoda and Imbler, even if it meant they ignored. Verstappen and Hamilton at Imola or everyone else, they're filming Snowder at, at Imola. He had quite a chaotic race, uh, you know, crashed and stuff. Just focus on him, and that's what I'd rather see. But I guess they're in that difficult situation where they've got to kind of a, try and appeal to modern, like like Formula 1 fans that know everything and have seen everything, and then also trying to get new fans in. So I think that's the difficult balance. But I'm not one of those people, like f- for me, like the the Monster episodes, like they seem to focus too much. I mean, they loved Monaco and I love Monaco, oh, but why I they know. needed to why they needed to do two episodes on Monaco, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: <It was laughs> ridiculous. And also the order of it, like in episode two, they were like, oh, Charlotte's got this gearbox issue. He's not going to be able to start the race. And you think, oh, okay. Like we're not going to show why he's got a gearbox issue. Cause he managed to smash his car into the swimming pool chicane on the Saturday. And then sure enough, episode three, it's like, here you go. Here's a a clip of Charles Leclerc. And it's like, well, we know he doesn't start the race. Like, it was such a weird um, series of events. Like, yeah, why did they decide to do that? I don't know. Like, part of... That would have made a great storyline. I mean, I'm not a documentary maker. I am just an armchair expert sat at home with all these opinions. But, you know, surely the season writes itself in some of these instances like Charles Clark in Monaco, you know, never scored at his home race. He's in a really competitive car this year or, you know, somewhat competitive, more competitive than last year, let's just say. And um, he has all this pressure on his shoulders to do well, to perform. And then um, he gets, you know, provisional pole. Oh my goodness. It's so exciting. And then, smashes the car up not only ruins his chance of doing anything better but also everyone behind him including his teammate which i feel like wasn't even addressed because carlos was also on a mega lap as well as max and uh then yeah you've got the whole panic of being in the ferrari garage can they get it fixed have if they think they've solved it um and then you know you discover the issue and he can't start and he's still got to be on the grid and listen to the national anthem and all this kind of stuff and it it was just so like Dealt in uh, in my opinion like it was a real bodge job, but I'm sure drive to survive guys have got their reasons for it. But yeah. the,
2: uh, should, I don't we, know. should we go into uh, like we're going to say favorite moments next, but should we just go into most disappointing while we're on a while we're getting <laughs> there and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll end on a positive? But oh, I because, like it because I because I wanted wanted to talk about that as well, Monica. Like that, that the most jarring thing for me is how um, and you know, don't get me wrong. There are some episodes, and we'll go into this later. I thought there were a couple, maybe even three episodes that were some of the best Drive to Survive episodes I've ever seen. Personally, mm. uh, I thought the 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 season of this season of Drive to Survive for me was like roller coaster of like that episode was absolutely awful. That episode was absolutely <laughs> amazing, and it was there was like no in between. The uh, it was it was very bizarre, but the disappointing for me was when you start a series, why why that couldn't have been later on. I'm not even that fussed about the chronological order, but it was so jarring to do Bahrain in a first Twice. episode, which I totally get, like Bahrain, cover Bahrain, makes total sense. Like it's the first race, cover it from Hamilton and just happens perspective. But then to go into the McLaren episode and do Bahrain again and literally lights out and away we go and show that footage again. It, it just made no sense. And then you go into Monaco and they showed the whole Charles Leclerc incident, uh, the Lando and Danny Rick, which again, i personally found quite a disappointing episode because they didn't, they didn't dive into enough of Danny Rick's struggles. Like it was just nice. one race. And, and I don't know if that's Danny Rick, Uh, Just trying to be like the I'm the comic relief, everything's fine But like I wanted I wanted to see it I know it's harsh harsh, (laughs) But like you want And then then that would have made the Monza story So much more epic But you didn't see that side of it It was just kind of like oh yeah it's been lapped by Lando And there wasn't that much drama But then that episode finished And they go back to Monaco again And do qualifying, (laughs) honestly that was just So bizarre
1: it was very interesting choice of direction, that's to say the least. Um, and it, we saw it again in, with Hungary. That was covered in two different episodes. And uh, I just, I didn't get it. I know that the Drive to Survive guys, they were at every track. And I understand fully that, you know, they can't be with every team at every minute of the day. Um we, I've, I've listened to a podcast before with the producer of the show, and he says that at the start of every F1 season, he jumps on a Zoom call with all of the teams, and they might say, uh, you know, okay, Ferrari are going to be having a special hundred year anniversary for something or other on this weekend. So that could be a good one for you to join Ferrari with and McLaren are going to be doing this here. And so they get an idea of like big momentous occasions, but they can't be constantly like following Pierre Gasly every weekend in case he delivers a mega quality lap or something. And that's a big story of the season, but yeah, there just seem to be too much on-track Onboard footage. I don't remember previously seeing so much onboard footage. Oh I don't God. know if it was like
2: the Monza. Like... The Monza episode was, in my opinion, absolutely dreadful. I was I was literally sat on my phone. It was the whole <laughs> race. They showed the whole race. Yeah. They showed the sprint. And also,
1: Valtteri Bossas just didn't exist for the sprint. They're yeah, like, the yeah. Strappan wins the sprint. I was like, a Valtteri Bottas would disagree with you there, pal. <laughs>
2: but but for me. Uh, maybe I need to watch it back again, but the Monza episode was just a highlights of Monza. Like it, it was yeah. literally like watching a YouTube video. There was yeah. there was no I, I can't I couldn't tell you any behind the scenes thing about Monza other than the end. They just I, I feel like the race in that episode was about 25, 30 minutes of the the whole episode. They were like showing everything like Hamilton's on track, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I can watch that on YouTube. Like I want, I want to, yeah. I want to see, you know, the euphoria. I want to see Danny, Danny Rick on Rick. the phone
1: to his mum and his dad. Cause that was a thing that happened. Like Zach Brown had them on the phone. As soon as he won, he got his parents on FaceTime. Like I want to be able to see that and hear that. I know it's quite a personal private moment, but like that's part of drive to survive. And especially Danny Rick, he's been such a poster boy for it that, you know, he, he, it would be nice to see a bit more behind the scenes. And as you say, from his struggles to that, like that's the perfect story arc. That would make the perfect episode.
2: Do you think that Drive to Survive needs to focus on different people? Like it's difficult (laughs) because like when the Danny Rick episode came on, Danny Rick is one of my favourite drivers. I absolutely love him. But I Mm. couldn't help but go...
1: Again. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: I know everything about Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> I don't need another episode Drive Survivor so Daniel Ricardo. Like show someone else.
1: Yeah, Even give someone a else. Big
2: a try. R- Even as a big Daniel Rick fan, like it, it's quite funny that, that uh Lando oh door has gone, sorry. <laughs>
1: That's <all> right. <laughs> uh it's
2: yeah. quite funny that yeah, it's quite funny that um Lando gets this perception of like, oh, DTS fans will support Lando. And it's like, we've not really had any coverage. We've not really had a fully focused Lando episode. And then the Daniel Ricciardo, if anything, like Lando was like the rival to Daniel Ricciardo. It wasn't like from Lando's perspective. It was like, oh, it was from Danny Rick's perspective and Lando was the guy that was beating him and he had to try and get one over on him.
1: Yeah, it was... It was an unusual uh decision, but yeah, I'm with you. Like, love Danny Rick, but it's it goes without like it's a given now that he'll just get his own episode. Um, but he has been such a good um poster boy for it. Yeah, but, and I'm gonna um, be a hypocrite who, now. <laughs> yeah. Because of, well, ne- of the next bit did, Yeah, somebody did get a good bit of a. Uh, of camera time was Yuki Snowder, who for me was the star of the show. Uh, he was very funny. I know some people have said like, Oh, I found him really weird from it, but I thought he was just a bit more, he's a bit more real. And we all know that he doesn't have a filter anyway, from what we've heard in his team radio messages, but I enjoyed, um, enjoyed following him for that episode, except somebody made a comment the other day, which honestly, it cracked me up. Um, and some, someone mentioned that Yuki Snowja talking about his toilet time, let's just say, got more airtime than Kimi Raikkonen in his final year of F1. And it's so true.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so that's one thing that I was quite surprised by. I know Kimi is someone oh, that doesn't, he's not going to want to sit down and do a whole want, big no. exclusive interview. He, he's probably quite happy just to say bye and then be like, you know, he's probably happy he's
2: not <laughs> in it. Like, yeah, that's well, they true. They didn't have to do anything. Uh, like, yeah. I saw people complaining about it, but it's like he wouldn't want to be in it. So just let him be. And yeah, I thought
1: it was amazing. It's, it's,
2: it, and <laughs> however harsh it is, yes, Kimi Raikkonen, you know, he's a legend of the sport, but like, were they going to focus on um, anyone other than Max and Lewis in that last race? That's just reminded me disappointing. Not. It's not even disappointing what on earth was that final episode where it's 20 <laughs> minutes of them hyping Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen. They do the, the lights go out and it's epic. It lasts for like 10 minutes, the lights going out and it focuses on Max and then Lewis. And it's like, I'm the young gun. I'm going to beat him. And then it's like, oh, you, you know, like the classic like drive to survive yeah. like hype. And then it's like lights out and away we go. Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz battling for people. <laughs> Why was that in there? That's Literally like- completely irrelevant. And it, they didn't go back to it. They didn't mention the Ferrari McLaren battle really throughout Drive to Survive at all. It had no relevance. And you were just like looking up the road being like, Verstappen's just sent it up the inside of Hamilton. Yeah. Here. And everyone can see it on the, the other footage. And it's like, it was so jarring. That was the, that was the single most jarring moment of Drive to Survive I've ever seen
1: in my life
2: I was I was absolutely like I was I was in shock I was like how on earth did (laughs) they think that was a good idea to put that in there I'm sorry like maybe I'm in the minority here but like it literally just took you out the moment completely of like you'd hyped all this Hamilton and Verstappen stuff you didn't need to show any other driver in that race, apart from the safety car controversy and stuff and Latifi yeah. crashing or whatever. Like the whole narrative was Red Bull versus Mercedes. Why they're cutting to a random McLaren Ferrari <laughs> battle that had no relevance on that first lap was just absolutely ridiculous. I just had to mention that because it it really is the most bizarre moment in Drive Survive I think I've ever seen for me it's clearly just so bizarre and more more strange than any of the misplaced team radio or any I just found it absolutely ridiculous
1: <laughs> I can see that a uh, weight has been lifted for you getting that off your chest but no yeah. it is it was a rather so interesting bizarre. editing call and generally it's it is a difficult one to sort of pinpoint because we don't know the people that are involved in uh drive to survive and who the production team are but it's evident that sometimes i don't know it's almost as if there isn't like an a core f1 knowledge there or or maybe they just decide for the sake of entertainment that they're gonna chop and change things and um i i understand uh you know there's been lots of talk about the uh, the 10 second penalty in Silverstone and how somebody um, recorded it and it was actually 32 seconds instead of 10 seconds and it's not the first time we've seen something like that you know I didn't particularly enjoy the Grosjean episode last year I felt like it was quite tasteless although you know Roman we're lucky in the sense that Roman Grosjean he's obviously very um, he, he deals with the trauma of it through a lot of humor and if that's his way of dealing with it then you know hats off to him because you know you can tell he's incredibly you know lucky and blessed that he was able to walk away from such a frightening accident um but you know with the the time it took to show him getting out of the car and um to actually show that he was well you know as simple as that that he didn't have you know any horrendous burns um, apart from on his hands. You know, it was like 25 minutes after we saw the crash to when we actually saw him again. Um, and although it's kind of within the time frame, like when we watched it at home, watched it live, a second felt like a year watching it because we were just all so worried, wanting to see him okay. It was horrendous, but um yeah with Drive to Survive I feel like for quite a lot of things they like to exaggerate the truth but then you know it is meant to be an entertainment program so yeah, for, it. yeah. It's, it's how they make it dramatic for yeah
2: it's how they make it dramatic i yeah I think we covered this before but me and you had very different <laughs> opinions on that Grosjean episode and that and that that is it at the end of the day there's going to be people that like certain bits and some that don't you know I thought controversially the McLaren episodes were probably the two of the worst ones but if they didn't feature them there'd be a lot of people going I can't believe you've not mentioned McLaren at all there's so much so much stuff there so it's difficult That's to true. please everyone as we know that is from our true. job
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes so true um so let's there was some from good stuff. <laughs> negativity. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh no, I've just said all this horrible stuff. Because there was
2: actually but some yeah, good stuff.
1: There was some really good stuff. Yeah, what what kind of. You mentioned that there were a couple of episodes, three episodes that you said were some of the best Drive to Survive has ever seen. Uh, what were those three, in your opinion? Uh,
2: so they were in no particular order. The Sonoda, a knock on episode, because it was behind the scenes stuff. And yes, they sort of bent the truth a little bit and I thought maybe it was a little bit ridiculous that they they didn't do it too much but you know when they tried to like build up that they were rival I didn't feel like they needed to they didn't need to go into that story it was more just like you know if you have to put them both in the same episode you don't need to make them rivals like Verstappen and Hamilton are the rivals like you don't need to make it active it was just nice to see the behind the scenes footage of both Ocon and Sonoda, and it was refreshing after quite a lot of race footage to just see some behind the scenes stuff. And you know, the stuff in Milton Keynes with Sonoda was really funny, and and that sort of thing. So that one I thought was great. Um, the Williams episode uh, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Uh, probably one of the best episodes I've ever been. Um, that one for me. Was exactly what the Danny Rick episode should have been in terms of like, it was behind the scenes. They really went into how much of a struggle Williams had. So then, when they did have that points finish in Hungary, it was like, it was emotional. It it was like, oh my God, they've been through so much. They've got Mm -hmm. these points. Jos Capito seems like the nicest guy in the world. Like, he came across brilliantly when a lot of other team principals uh, do not. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he, uh, you (laughs) know, he. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Seemed like a, a really nice guy. And it was nice to see a new character because, and, yeah. and same with Sonoda as well. Like, you know, we you, you start it and it's like, Oh, it's Christian Horner. Oh, it's Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Oh, it's this. Uh, and so, uh, and then I'm going to be a massive hypocrite after saying that and then say the house episode is really good. Um, mm. And that was just because of the fact that there was the, the behind the scenes stuff you don't get to see. And you want to see that? Like, I want to watch Drive to Survive. And yes, uh, the ending to that episode was absolutely ridiculous. That they made it seem like Mazapin had done this <laughs> worldly <laughs> strategy call and <sighs> beat Norris in the race, even though he only finished ahead of two drivers that DNF'd. Like that. Was I know. Nothing. Oh That my was God. that was the silliest ending to an episode ever. But the actual story of that beforehand, you know, getting to see Günther even though it was only a bit of um audio he would obviously like left his mic on or whatever and sitting Mazepin down and saying you know you stop need to be stop stop being an asshole to everyone and, <laughs> and uh you know they'll want to help you and
1: mm.
2: make you a better driver and things like that and and the chaos and Mazepin's dad uh, obviously it's quite a controversial episode now but Mazepin's dad talking about how he wants to pull the sponsorship from the team that is drive to survive that's but but then i guess that that's from a hardcore formula one fan that watched the season knows everything about the season and we wanted to see new stuff and there's not really a lot of new stuff cuz i think it's only really hass that seem to go all right just film everything it's fine
1: yeah
2: um i wouldn't be against them just doing a whole series on hass just literally just i mean there's just, enough drama just there make a, <laughs> just make a hass tv show uh, and just uh, if they if hass are the team that are willing to just Give them all access. For me, that's a lot more interesting than just watching race highlights. So that's I what I thought. That's, that's why I thought. That's why I thought was really good. I liked those episodes a lot because it was it was behind the scenes uh, stuff, and it wasn't wasn't much race footage really. It was just showing the the characters. Steiner
1: selling. Ships, wooden ships and wooden swimming ships pools. And,
2: yeah, cabins and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's exactly what us long-term fans have would like to see from Drive to Survive. I think DTS is in a bit of a pickle at the moment because, you know, if you've got to season four, you'd assume that maybe people had already seen seasons one to three. So they've got a bit of an understanding of Formula One. Um, and that maybe they have, uh, a previous, like an existing knowledge of formula one. So I feel like quite a lot of the episodes are still, you know, Will Buxton, for example, he's become a bit of a meme on the internet <laughs> over the last few days because he explains things in very simple terms, but I've sat through, you know, I made my best friend watch part of season one, um, last year. And, you know, people take the mickey out of what will boxton was saying but he was addressing things that new, completely new f1 fans didn't understand like my friend was saying um you know oh so that's what qualifying is and that's what, how this works and stuff like that but in into season four you, you might you know assume that if you're on pole position it means you have 19 other drivers starting behind you you know like most people watching it i feel would have that level of of knowledge um but it's a tough it's a know. tough
2: call isn't it it you know we're we're here complaining about certain things because we're we well it's literally our jobs and we watch formula one yeah. every single race and we absorb everything because you write about it so like you know we'll go into a we'll we'll go into a season of dts and let's be honest we will know almost everything and it's very mm-hmm. rare for but there will be a lot of fans that yeah, our casuals, maybe, you know, just watch the highlights on Channel 4 or, or whatever and and don't. And it's got to appeal to them as well. And I think it is a really difficult job that Netflix do to it's have to impress, right. both, impress mm. both sets of fans. And I think that's what they did really well in the first series, but then that's because it was new and it was like, mm. oh, wow, this is really exciting. And also you got to remember like i guess covid restrictions as well is quite a big thing that you know maybe that's really hurt them in terms of a lot of the things they can film and do uh and you know they can't they can't just like travel to mexico on a whim and film perez now because there's like lockdown restrictions and all this kind of stuff and you know people people can complain oh you know oh it's not there's nothing on Zandvo or whatever, but then, you know, maybe, well, I would say maybe there's, um, uh, there were lockdown restrictions there, but uh, I was at that race and I know for a fact that uh, that's George Russell scene of him uh, <laughs> signing his contract was, his, yeah. was not in spa because uh, they made it look like spa had dried up. Didn't they? Mm-hmm, they like, it yeah. went to dry and then they started brushing all the water away and it was like, no, it continued to just be abysmal in time. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd have redone, they'd have started the race, like uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um I think season five, if there is one, would be very there, there very is interesting. there is
1: one, yeah. Yeah. They've they've signed up to do until season five at the moment. Um, and they've been filming them in the paddock for pre-season testing. So there will definitely be a season five, but it's whether there's any more after that it's it's like you say a really difficult one I didn't even think about COVID restrictions so like very fair play for bringing that up because I think maybe I'm just being a real pessimistic person and just being like this is bad this is bad why you um, there face are you in all that... the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> <to> the <camera. laughs> literally mic'd up 24 7 um but yeah I think there's maybe it's down to us fans to kind of not put so much expectation on it because one of the good things about Drive to Survive, as you said, is it has brought so many fans into the sport and there will be fans who have maybe not watched Formula 1 before and have seen Drive to Survive, you know, it's being advertised like mad. There was a Formula 1 car in King's Cross Station in London on Friday and all over the tubes in, in London, there's posters for Drive to Survive or things like that. So there are going to be people who decide to give it a go this weekend or, you know, previously last weekend that will become F1 fans from Drive to Survive being a thing and from it being covered in the way that it is. And it's like a nice, as we said, gentle introduction into the championship. Um, But, yeah, it's worth a drive to survive, make the decision to keep it. Going where they're trying to please both, or whether us F1 fans need to not be as selfish as wanting to watch a full season from start to finish and enjoy that, and then want even more content in the shape of Drive to Survive. Whether we should actually say, um, we'll leave Drive to Survive for the people who aren't hard, like die hard fans of formula one maybe yeah. just discovering it uh, maybe for more of a casual viewer um and instead you know rely on as you say watching recaps on youtube or content creators um it is a really difficult like type yeah type to sort of balance on because
2: yeah, we can. Yeah, at the end of the day, you can't please
1: everyone.
2: Yeah, we can rant and complain about that it's not what we want, but then you get to the question of, well, what do you want? And it's like, um, I don't know. And then also like, <laughs> yeah. well, I know what I I want from it. I want more behind the scenes stuff. But then, you know, if I if, want more on
1: track stuff, mm, like it, highlighting if, the highs and lows.
2: Yeah, and if you know, so so the the episodes I liked were the the Williams House and I did actually think we're well not really mentioning it but I did actually think the last episode was very good um, I thought it was very dramatic um, that one worked because the on track was so dramatic The it's a controversial thing because some people always think you should go really like ham on the fact that it was uh, ham huh, uh, mm-hmm. that it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, that it was a, a, a farce and other people are like you know, they they definitely acknowledged that it was a joke, and they played the the drivers' messages and how controversial it was. Um, I guess without needing to go too much into it, like, like it, they showed how you know for they one team it was saying they it's showed, manipulated, yeah, and they yeah. showed what for one team it was pure elation, and the other team it was uh, pure rage. like rage and and hurt and everything like that. I thought I personally thought it was covered quite well. I know a lot of people won't. Uh, they, were, they weren't going to please everyone with that episode regardless. But yeah, for me, like the episodes that I really liked, you know, Williams, Haas, blah, blah, blah. If in Drive to Survive uh, Season 5, they, they go, you know what? Okay, we won't focus on the racing. We'll just do behind the scenes of Haas, because Will- they're the ones that give us all the data. Yeah. You know, they'd be they'd be outraged because it would be like, oh my God, I can't believe you've not focused on the incredible battle of, uh, you know, Red Bull versus Ferrari and Hamilton was right that the Mercedes is absolutely terrible and they're finishing last every race, which is definitely going to happen. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, yeah. but stuff like that, like, yeah, it, it is a really tough one. Um, I I don't know what, I don't know what the answer is. Like maybe, maybe Drive to Survive could do a season review and then also, a behind the scenes documentary or something and do and almost make them as two different things. Um, but then it's it's getting into, you know, if you want a season review like Sky, do that. Mm. Uh Formula One will put their own one on their YouTube channel, like what's the point? So just let Drive to Survive do what they do best, and traumatic storytelling and 30-second, 10-second penalties. <laughs>
1: exactly no it's uh it's been so good for many reasons you know I have been very critical on this episode and I'm very sorry but um I think it's just because I'm frustrated because I know the potential that's there and just by you know maybe not being so over dramatic with you know showing incorrect audio clips um you know the, the there was a clip from sorry I'm gonna sneeze no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, there was a <laughs> clip of George Russell, and I was like, Well, that's audio from Imola and his crash with Oh Bottas yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That was used. And I was like, <clears> Oh, <throat> the, I mean, oh, it's one of those things. But yeah, people have noted where radio's been used incorrectly, or there was a good example of them saying about how the Red Bull ring was amazing and showing a picture of Sam um I l- and all I this like kind of stuff.
2: Where there'll be a qualifying lap and they'll show them going around on a qualifying lap and it would clearly show like the same bit of the track about six times on one qualifying. like i think george russell went up a Radion four times on his poly lap <laughs> uh first oh my
1: gosh. it's crazy um but yeah but that's the kind I, of thing that
2: it's... a formula one fan wouldn't notice like what one thing was no. quite interesting actually and maybe i don't know if people would be interested just let us know if, if you are but um as a uh I'm I'm definitely a casual when it comes to MotoGP, and they've just released their own version of Drive yeah, to Survive on Amazon. I'm, looking forward, to I'm, I'm that. looking forward to that. And and I've got a, a friend. She's absolutely like huge into MotoGP. She knows everything about it, and she's like proper MotoGP nerd. I'm an F1 nerd, and then we both kind of like the other sport. But she's definitely the really knowledgeable one about MotoGP, and I'm the really knowledgeable one about F1. And I'm really interested to because uh, she watched Drive to Survive. And she, mm. um, she was telling me all this stuff and how great she thought it was and, you know, made her like Formula One more. I'm interested to know, like, if, if I watch that MotoGP documentary, if, there's, if I'm like, oh, my God, that was amazing. I can't believe uh, Valentina Rossi did this. And then she's like, no, that was all fake. They just made it up and actually, like, mm. it's all a lie and stuff. So, but, but because I'm a casual fan, like, that won't annoy me. Uh, but I guess so I'm actually very interested to watch that documentary. I might go watch it now.
1: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Tommy, you've been speaking a lot of sense, this podcast, I must say. Um, making me change all my opinions on just life in general, <laughs> listening <laughs> to you speak. Uh, but yeah, that that should definitely be an interesting documentary to watch. I heard that on the, um, the, I don't know if it's been solved, but on the English version, there was apparently like really heavy dubbed uh English oh, no. like audio that you couldn't turn off I guess it's um, a lot of I it in Spanish yeah 11th, I think it's
2: yeah 11th. I'd assume yeah so, yeah. so you gotta rely
1: on sub- subtitles but yeah I'm really excited to watch that um so final thoughts Tommy <laughs> Final thoughts.
0: Uh, what do
1: you think of uh how Drive to Survive should go forward or like just general f- final thoughts
2: <laughs> yeah I mean it's difficult. I don't know what the best solution is for them. They, they can't please give everyone. It to us. Give it to us. We'll it. give we'll it a go. Meme, we'll just do memes <laughs> about it and it would just be ridiculous. Um yeah, there's no perfect solution. I think season five uh is make or break, I think, for for them. It would literally be a case of because it's it's difficult. Like, yeah, they I'd never really thought about it in the way you said it, where your your friend was saying that oh she's new watching it, but then you think you're watching season four, like surely you've watched the first ones mm. first, or or not? So do do you then do you know?
1: No, nobody starts a series on season four.
2: Do you keep hitting hope? But that's the thing; it's a sport documentary. So do you yeah, just say, oh, actually, no, I I just want to start with the latest stuff, but. But no, it is a season, so do do you still keep hammering home all this stuff about, like, if you win the first race, you will lead the World Championship and stuff like that? Really, like, (laughs) obviously. Bill Buxton, is that you? (laughs) Yeah, I could do his job. Um, No, uh, there's no perfect solution. I think I'm very intrigued to see how they do it uh, this year. Uh, It was a difficult season. It was almost difficult season to cover because there was so much hype Mm. and because that season was so good i think drive to survive they managed to make a season uh, this makes me sound like very like uh not not a big fan of mercedes but you know mercedes domination but those are they actually made those episodes quite good because they focused on Mm. other things and then you know finally we get this title fight and then maybe the the season uh, of Drive to Survive wasn't actually that good, um, but then I guess I'd much rather have better on-track action than care too much about Drive to Survive. Um, I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that it—I don't think it was perfect. Um, but yeah, I think Season Five is definitely a make or break, and it would be interesting to see the if if the perception doesn't improve of Season Five from what I've seen. I think I think it might they might just can it, and have a have a rethink
1: yeah I'd be interested to see if if it does get canned because Netflix have have binned off some very interesting shows I'm sure like people like Stefano Domenicali would be pleading with them not to end it because we've seen how popular it's made F1 in America and such so um he'll probably be yeah pleading that they don't can it um but if anyone else snaps up the rights because I mean there was conversations last year about possibly streaming f1 races on Netflix like live and I don't know if (laughs) that because obviously they don't do anything like that currently um but obviously the relationship with Netflix and Formula One has been such a a good and healthy one that they're looking at future options but That'd I don't know. Good. In my mind like Drive to Survive could continue for like another 11 12 series like it could keep going on. Um yeah. it's just whether uh they listen to what the fans want. Oh, I don't know Tommy well. it's so it's, difficult. It, is it difficult. really and is.
2: naturally uh, we could we could literally be on this podcast for like 2 hours so I apologize yeah. to people I just like <laughs> just wrap it up. Um
1: yeah. shut the, up.
2: Yeah. The the thing is like <laughs> The first season is naturally gonna bring in new fans and be curious and and it's not as exciting. So so you'd almost you'd almost say that like the newer seasons do have to um you know uh tailor towards more hardcore and more knowledgeable fans. Because at the end of the day, like like you said, if if there's 12 seasons, right? Of drive to survive and it, it, 12 seasons down the line it's been 12 years people aren't like going to be discovering it for the first time in 12 mm. years time like it's going to be an established show um you know the 12th season of game of thrones you don't you don't uh, or like a, a tv show like you know like a, an actual tv show like in the 12th mm. season you don't go through all the characters again and explain everything because you just assume that people have watched it right so yeah. in it, so if they do keep going on, maybe they need to you know ditch all this like spoon feeding and actually make it for the fans. Like the first season's brought the the new fans in, and now they're here, and yeah. you know they're they're more knowledgeable now, and maybe that's why the perception of it is so has been so poor. Uh, but then we're in our little echo chamber of knowledgeable and hardcore F one fans, so of course we're not going to be happy.
1: But I even, and we will wrap this up, I promise, guys. But um, (laughs) people I know that have got into F1 through Drive to Survive, they're making the same comments as we are. And they've been watching it since Drive to Survive came out. And they can see the inconsistencies. So, yeah, maybe it's time to um, have it as a series that is properly reflective of what happened. And also, F1 need to have a word with the teams and say, listen here, pal, I don't care, you're letting Netflix in all access. That's a direct order. Yeah, like simple as, because I think it speaks a lot that Williams and House provided the best episodes. They're the ones that, you know, they're at the back of the grid. They need as much airtime as possible because they're not getting it on normal coverage um, because it was all, you know, Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren. But I think a big part of it is that when Drive to Survive came into Formula One, it was just after Liberty had taken over. Like when Bernie Eccleston was in charge, it (laughs) was known notoriously that F1, it was such a closed book, access was impossible. And by having Drive to Survive, um, it meant that so many people were forced to open up to Netflix and some of the best content came in that first series. I genuinely think because they maybe thought, a oh, few people are going to watch this, nobody's going to really care too much. And so they weren't afraid to open up. And now teams have realised the value in making things accessible and behind the scenes for fans. I mean, McLaren do the Unbox series, which um, you know is very much just simple, behind the scenes, unedited footage from race weekends and stuff. Um, but other teams like Ferrari... Uh, you know, the Ferrari content we got in Monaco of Carlos and Charles driving around, that's from a Sky feature. That's not even from Netflix. they didn't give
2: them anything, did they, really?
1: No, it's like you get a few breadcrumbs and that's it. And we saw with the episode with um, Charles and Seb last year how, like, Sylvia was saying, you know, you have to be like this, you can't say this, you can't do that, Um, because they want, obviously, the Ferrari brand image to... I wonder if that
2: backfired on them, and and Ferrari were like, "Oh, that did make us look bad." Actually, no, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to let you film anything this year.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, but we need much more access to behind the scenes because I think, like you say, that's that's the kind of stuff that people have come to expect from Drive to Survive now. Not, oh, let's rewatch an onboard from Bahrain for the fifteenth time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not what's gonna get people talking. But anyway, we've had enough of a ramble. <laughs> um, <laughs> be sure to let us know on social media what you you guys think. If you are a fan of Drive to Survive, if you think maybe we're just chatting our rubbish and season four was the best season yet. Like, let us know because you know we're not afraid to hear different opinions. That's that's the beauty of the world, everyone. As long as you're nice about it. He- hearing different people's opinions like I feel as if my whole perception on certain things to drive to survivors change just from listening to Tommy so you might be sat at <laughs> home listening to this podcast and thinking well actually I see it in this way and um and yeah just let us know what you think um Tommy do you have any final thoughts that we won't make into a 20-minute conversation like last time <laughs>
2: uh can we ignore Um, Toto Wolf and Horner this entire season uh, and just pretend they don't exist because I've seen enough of them thanks, that's my final
1: thought (laughs) I'm sick of their faces and their voices and the fact that like, for the first three episodes they all started with Christian Horner and I was like oh my god if this is going to continue throughout the whole season we've seen him running, we've seen him on the back of a horse we've seen him shooting clay pigeons (laughs) whatever they're called, clay pigeon shooting I was like oh my god but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna
2: <laughs>
1: stop because I'll carry yeah. on ranting. Yeah.
2: We should end this one. We should have done it as a two-part, <laughs> shouldn't we?
1: We really should have. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much, Tommy, for um ranting with me on this podcast about Drive to Survive um and we'll be back because oh we haven't mentioned it's race week (laughs)
2: yes like there's actually a race oh my
1: god so um very excited for that and we'll be bringing you a um preview podcast for that i think yeah and then back to our monday podcast uh if you like listening to our race review podcast make sure you're subscribed to team wtf1 um to make sure you get early access to all of that good stuff. And yes, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you're still here, you're a legend and we appreciate you. <laughs> Gold star for you. Um, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.
0: Bye. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.